it's time to lock in. The most amazing, sensational, dramatic, exciting, thrilling finish. Live from Mobile, Sports Radio 105.5 WNSP presents 99 yards away. Win this game for one another. The final drive with Corey LeBounty and Nick Wiggins. Do your job and play together. The final drive. Live on 105.5 FM and streaming on the Sound of Mobile app. I cannot believe it! Welcome to a Wednesday edition of The Final Drive on WNSP 105.5. Corey Labounty, along with Nick Wiggins joining you on this hump day. We want to thank everyone for having us locked in, tuned in. And when you look at what's going on, on today's show, we'll get Teague's take. That's George Teague, former University of Alabama national champion and also does some work for the Dallas Cowboys out in Dallas, Texas. So we'll get Teague's take on the Dallas Cowboys starting off 2-0. and Can they sustain it? Will they maintain it? And get his take on the quarterback situation, the carousel that has been at Alabama. Coming up at 5 o'clock, you don't want to miss the in-depth interview with Antonio Coleman from Saraland High School. The dominant defensive lineman has verbally committed to the University of Alabama, but there's a drive behind his success. We'll talk with his father and his uncle, both whom were in the studio with us, and we'll get an in-depth insight on what motivates Antonio Coleman. And it's a tremendous family story that you don't want to miss. It's an exclusive that you'll get right here on WNSP 105.5 at 5 o'clock. And Nick Wiggins, we always encourage people to download the free Sound of Mobile app to any Android or Apple device they have so they can correspond with us in the app. And it's a great way to see what's going on, to make the corrections in the show, to give us a heads up on what we miss along with what we didn't miss, to get your opinion on what's going on not only in NFL, college football, high school football. We'll talk all of that today on the final drive. That's right, man. Got to get that Sound of Mobile app, all the inside jokes of the show and the things that we can't say on air a lot of times get said on that app, good or bad. Like you said, there's a lot of things we can cover. What do you want to kick it off with, man? Well, when you look at Nick Saban talking about Deion Sanders' success as not only a high school football coach, as also now successfully winning at Jackson State along with at Colorado, Nick Saban says Deion Sanders is always prepared. A lot of folks say that Deion Sanders just can't coach. He's not a great coach. Where, where is the evidence of that? He's a to hype man. People that say that, where's the evidence that he can't coach? Show me the losing season. Show me the dumpster fire of a season because just about every coach has had one. Every coach that's somewhere where they're good now, they were fired probably somewhere before. Not Dion though. No, Dion has been successful not only coaching his sons out in Texas, he's also been successful at Jackson State. Was not able to win that national championship. That's what I hold against him. He was not able to win a HBCU championship in any of his three years. He was able to win a SWAC divisional 
championship. But what is he playing for? Is he playing for a divisional championship, whatever conference Colorado is moving on to here in the future? Or is he looking at national Look, aspirations? All I'm saying is if the ding on Dion's resume is that he had one loss in a season, that ain't too bad to me. I think that's a dent you can probably buff out. Yeah, I mean, he was – you look back to his time being the high school offensive coordinator at Trinity Christian School, and you look at coaching in the Under Armour All-American games. I think that a 1-11 program to turn it over to 3-0, and you do believe that Colorado can win versus Oregon this week? Yeah. So I you're do believe still that they have the ability to beat Oregon, even without Travis Hunter. Is that just a group of guys that believe, man? And they haven't been stopped yet, and oh. they keep proving us wrong. They even proved us wrong because we thought Colorado State was going to be a blowout, and they yeah. said, nah, watch this. It's going to be the game of the year, and it's going to be close. So, Well, not only was it close, it's one of the most nationally watched, highest-rated games of all time in the history of ESPN College Football. And that just goes to show the primetime effect and what he does have. Now, Dion seems to be fixing problems with Colorado's program. A lot of people are saying that Nick Saban is incurring a lot of problems in his program. Nick Saban, to me, is the GOAT, will always be the GOAT. And the quarterback carousel that has been going on at Alabama last week, I, I want somebody to give me justification as to why Jalen Milroe did not touch the field against South Florida because outside of you can look at his performance against Texas. You can say Nick Saban wanted to play Ty Simpson. He wanted to play Tyler Buckner. But when the offense started struggling the way that it did, yeah. was Milro Ooh. not the best answer look, every, for Alabama versus South Florida? All the Alabama fans after that Texas game, what were they saying? Get, get, get Milro out. out of there. He's horrible. And so Nick Saban said, you know what? Yeah, let's see what happens. Then they go and play uh, USF. And now all the Alabama fans are saying, all right, the other guys are even more horrible, or at least in the situation, we got to have Milrow in there for the best chance of success. And now Nick Saban's saying, huh, yeah, I guess that's pro that." It seems like the fans and the coaches are seeing eye to eye. Um, but... You and I both believe that Milrow's the best quarterback on the team. Yeah, yeah. And I think maybe, you know, like you, you ever you ever been in a in a relationship and you break <laughs> up with them, and then ah, uh, you know, two two weeks later you're like, man, I, I miss them. I want them back. I think that's all that went down. Well, I, I mean, look, I don't care how they healed the kumbaya, the hakuna matata, whatever you want to call it. Fiducey says, why did he touch the field? Why didn't he touch the field? Because Nick's arrogance saw no path that Alabama would lose that game. No, Alabama was not going to lose to South Florida. Did we think that they would have three points at halftime? Absolutely, we didn't feel that that was the, going to be the case. Now, I still feel that Jalen Milroe is the best answer for Alabama moving forward. And whatever reason it was, whether it was his attitude, whether it was his demeanor, his body language that Nick Saban did not like in the week leading up to the South Florida game, mm -hmm. bottom line is Jalen Milroe, the only time he touched that field 
was in warm-ups and to give his teammates high fives. And I know we have a caller that's calling in to the final drive. Caller, welcome to the final drive this afternoon. Hey, what's up, Corey? So, hey, I think what's happened, this is why you see the fan coaching agreement. The coaching staff is basically saying the offensive line sucks so bad, there's nobody behind them that's any better. So, Milrow running the ball and throwing bombs is the best way to have a chance to win the game. That's all they're saying. That's like, right. they are admitting the offensive line sucks that bad, and they have nobody behind them to improve at all. So, they can't put Buckner back there because he can't run, and he can't throw more than 20 yards. Ty Simpson can't run like Milrow. So, hey, man, if they get in your lap, just start running. That's the only way we're going to win. That's what they're telling you. And, hey, uh, the Triple G, hey, man, what's going to happen when they get uh, when, when Dion gets smacked around these next couple weeks? What's going to happen then, big boy? Hey, man. Patrick. Y'all keep doubting. Y'all keep not believing. I'm going to stay believing. And when my pre-ordered sunglasses come no, in in no, December, no, 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 I'm no, no, not going to see. What you're doing is you're just continuing on because you love the reaction. You're a Paul, You're following in Paul Feinbaum's footsteps. You put the little stir what in there, said, and you start stirring just to get the reaction. Look, I've heard that before, but what have I said that's been wrong? I said Alabama wasn't going to beat Texas, and they lost. I said Dion was going to okay. be good for Colorado, and they're. And you undefeated. said the Jets are going to make the Super Bowl too, and they're not. <laughs> All right, so you're saying what? I had no control over you're exactly that. Exactly what you said is incorrect. Well, I don't have any control of Alabama being right, Texas that, either. That was that was a once. <laughs> I don't make. Hey, man, give me ten million dollars, and I'll go with a couple games too. Look, if Aaron Rodgers didn't okay, get man. injured, the Jets would be a Super Bowl favorite. Yeah, and if I picked the right uh, numbers for that billion-dollar Powerball, I'd be a billionaire, too. Yeah, yeah, and if I had wheels, I'd be a bike. Thanks for calling. <laughs> well, I, I will say this, Nick. In, in defense of what you have going on, you're looking at the Colorado Buffaloes. You do believe, and you said it I prior believe. to Dion even winning a game. Look, they're going to be good. Dion is not just a hype guy, and I'll, I'll give you credit for that, that y even though they struggled against Colorado State, you still stuck by your prediction that Colorado and Deion Sanders will win. Now, that's why I asked you right here, do you feel that without Travis Hunter, the Buffaloes stand a chance yes. against Oregon and Bo Nix? Yes, they do stand a chance. Now, I'm not going to come out and say, oh, I guarantee they're going to win, but they do stand a chance, and I think it is going to be a good game, and I'm going to give Dion the benefit of the doubt. Because he hasn't given me a reason not to. That's a bunch of guys who are all singularly focused. And there's a reason that they're D1 athletes. So if you can lock in, I think the possibilities are endless. And we've been seeing that up to this point. All right. So we'll go from we talked a little bit about Dion and, and how his success has been evident at Colorado and the talk of college football. Whether you like it or you don't like it, it is the talk of college football. It is the highest-rated football team to watch. And the, the numbers don't lie, and the revenue doesn't lie. What Deion Sanders touches goes to gold. Now, the biggest thing is, can he sustain it? And I think that that's what makes Nick Saban so great is the fact that he's been able to sustain. And Jalen Milrow, is only in his fourth career start. His fourth career start, Jalen Milrow for the Alabama Crimson Tide. And they're going to be welcoming Ole Miss. And I know it would, there's nothing better for Alabama fans 
than to absolutely light up Pete Golding like a Christmas tree mm-hmm. offensively. But do you think and, he knows the secrets? And, and and to step it up now, that, that do you think that there is a lot of parallel in between Alabama and Ole Miss? Well, according to the rankings, Ole Miss 15, Alabama 13. So, yeah, they mirror one another. I know we have a caller calling into the final drive. Caller, what's your name? And thanks for calling into the final drive. St. David, and I gotta, uh, we need to cut my boy Nick some slack here about the Jets. I mean, uh, everybody thought that uh, they were going to be good with Aaron Rodgers, but he's an Atlanta Falcons fan. Obviously, his taste in NFL football teams is not very good. <laughs> I won't argue there. I thought, I thought you were defending me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I am. That, 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 that's the best a Saints fan can defend an Atlanta Falcons fan with. I guess I'll, I'll take it. So, wait, who is your Super Roger. Bowl pick? Who's my Super Bowl pick? Well, I haven't made one yet. See, now your opinion's well, irrelevant. You have to make it before the season started. You have to go in blind like I did. See, you're like, if, if you didn't vote, you can't critique the president, all right? This is what you're well, doing here's, right now. Here's, here's what I'll say. The Saints will be really, really good once Alan, Alvin Kamara comes back and gets his uh, sea legs back. Well, I won't argue with that either about the Saints. So you're saying that the Saints will go marching over Green Bay this week? I'm going to predict a, uh, I'm going to predict a two-point win in, in Green Bay. Okay. Oh well. Hey, look, I, I think the Saints have a great opportunity to to bounce back offensively, and they they play great defense. There's no question about that. So we'll see if the Saints continue to go marching in, and and we'll we'll. Go ahead and shadow that prediction the same way we did this pass on Let It Marinate on it Monday as, you know, look, I told you, you win some and you lose some in regards to predictions, and yep. that's why we love the interaction here on the app and I on the telephone. I can't shoot 100%, Corey. I can't shoot 100%. Even, even uh, Michael Jordan missed a free throw. Yeah, so. it, it, look, it, it's not only that. It's the fact that, I, again, this weekend, Colorado and Oregon – Bad Bo Nix or good Bo Nix is somebody in the app says Bo Nix is the same sorry interception throwing quarterback he was in the SEC and Colorado has a better quarterback. Fast. Guess what? I am not going to argue that Sanders is a better quarterback than Bo Nix. You look at Bo Nix throwing eight touchdowns this season. Shadura has 10 and one INT. I think Bo Nix is a much better quarterback than he was then in his time in Auburn showed. I think that Bo Nix has the potential to show people that he can be drafted in seven rounds other than an unrestricted free agent because I know Auburn fans don't really like Bo Nix at all. But bad Bo Nix and the Bo Nix that we're seeing you can kind of compare. I know I compare it. Not that anything was wrong with his throwing ability, but Jalen Hurts, when he went to Oklahoma, not going to say he became a better quarterback. I'm going to say he became a much better passer, which allowed him to go ahead and have the complete game and be drafted by the Philadelphia Eagles. Same. Sometimes a change of scenery is good for you. Yeah. His daddy is, is a legacy player at Auburn. Right. Without question, that pressure weighed heavily on Bo Nix. So go out to the left coast, and now we're going to have Sanders and Nix going at it against one another, and you're going to have a chance to see. Now, I know 
this much. If Bo Nix is on that senior bowl watch list and on billboards in New York and on the West Coast, Shadur Sanders, Deion Sanders chimed in about whether his sons were going to go pro or not. And they were at an NFL game, and Deion Sanders had both of his sons sitting right there. He wants to win that national championship for sure next year, but he spoke on whether his sons would be returning to Colorado or not, whether he would be making the decisions for his sons. Well, we kind of got into it once we came here. Shiloh said, oh, wow, Shadur, look, this is, you're going to be in the NFL next year. I didn't know he ain't. I didn't say you. I said we got to play some next year. I said both of us. What'd you say, we? I said we got to play them next year. Play who? So what you, yeah. what you trying to say? What you trying to say? What you trying to say? But y'all ain't going nowhere. Hey, Daddy Dion has spoken. He said, y'all ain't going nowhere. Y'all ain't going nowhere. You, you're going to sit right here and be a Buffalo sure. and continue well, look, to allow me to try to win a national championship. If you're in college and this is your first time playing, uh, you know, D1 football at Colorado and you're already rocking a Ro Rolls Royce on the way to the game, <laughs> I mean, do you really need to go to the NFL? But, look, talking about Oregon, they're a 23-point favorite. Come Not on. just a small favorite. Come on. A 23-point favorite. No one should ever be a double-digit favorite against the Colorado Buffaloes. I don't care if they're playing the Georgia Bulldogs, <laughs> all right? And look, Oregon, yes, they, they were dropping like 80 points a game, right? They played Texas Tech. Yeah. They won 38-30. to 30. Okay. Texas Tech is 0-2. The other team that Texas Tech lost to was Wyoming in overtime. Oregon then goes on to Cream Hawaii 55-10. Easy game there. Their first legitimate competition is Colorado. And we already saw what the Oregon coach said early on in the season about Colorado, about them leaving the Pac-12. What have they ever done for the Pac-12 recently? Dion remembers that, all right? Dion sees what the favorite <laughs> is, how they're supposed to get blown out. It ain't going to happen, man. It is not going to happen. Nick, I, I, I will say this. Today is Wednesday. Plenty of time. Colorado does lose this game by double digits. They do lose this game by double digits. Going out and playing in Eugene, Oregon, Dion. You, you know, nobody thought he'd be 3-0. and Nothing wrong with being 3-1. and But when you do start looking at where his schedule lies, if, if, you, if you lose, let's say it's a close game to Oregon, great. I, I applaud you, right? But then you turn around, and then you have USC Easy coming money. to town. Easy money. Easy money for the Buffs. Oh, so. Yeah. The Buffs. It's a sold-out stadium right there. That's easy money. Yeah, it is easy money in regards to attendance because Colorado home football games have been going on for 100 years, and the first time ever they've sold out of their season tickets in 100 years of a historic Colorado football program. You got Lil Wayne on the sideline. You got Dwayne The Rock Johnson on the sideline. I will say this. Colorado loses by double digits to both Oregon and USC. Now, will they stay in the top 25 if you're three and two? Yeah, because then it's just what the doctor ordered with Arizona State matchup and Stanford. So 
I didn't think that Dion would win five games this year. He's already at three. Already at three. So he's already done things that a lot of people didn't think they would do. Now, a lot of people have been investing in these players, too, NIL-wise. And week to week, On3 does a great job of posting what the value is of players. We'll tell you a little bit about what the value of these college football players is on the other side here of the final drive. Hey, this is Slick Willie Shaw from the world-famous Harlem Globetrotters. You're listening to Sports Radio WNSP 105.5 FM. Welcome back to the final drive. It's me, the believer, and my guy, Corey, the non-believer. That's okay. That's okay. <laughs> he ain't getting no presents under his Christmas tree. <laughs> ain't going to be no, no bites shades? out of those cookies. No Dion shades? Man, let me tell you this. I made that order. I got this, the, the sunglasses. And I was like, huh, when they didn't give me like an estimated shipping date or anything. I was like, okay, that's weird. Did I order them from the wrong website and someone has my card info or something? <laughs> then I looked. They're on back order. I'm not going to get them till around Christmas. And by that time, there ain't even going to be no dang sun out. Wow. So the the $5.4 million that Dion has made that shade company. Ain't nobody wearing the sunglasses. They, they, they can't even manufacture them fast enough no. to, to meet the demand for those sunglasses. And it's going to be... Like, it'd be nicer to wear them when they're 3-0, and potentially 4-0. and But at the end of the year... Once they have taken a couple L's, I just don't know if uh, I don't know if they're going to be hitting the same. But well, I, I I could tell you this: what is hitting the same is the value of NIL worth for college football players. So when we started this season three weeks ago, preseason, who was the most highest valued? college football player out there it's ridiculous but it's arch manning was it, the it, number one at the beginning of the season it was arch manning at the beginning of the season that has to have dropped off or whoever <laughs> was given that money is like yo can i get a refund actually because you're not even the most popular quarterback on your team now what happens is arch manning's nil value is now at 2.9 million dollars so his value has actually increased since the beginning of the football season. It, man. I don't get it. Everything I learned in economics in school does not make any of this make sense. I love hearing about uh, these 19-year-olds that are making more money than I'll probably ever see in my life. It's refreshing, but Corey, continue. Shadur Sanders. He's number two. He is now number one. Oh, okay. All he right, is yeah. now number one. His value because he is 3-0 and and what he's been able to do. Tom Brady told him he needs to get his ass out of the Rolls Royce and room. get into the film room. That's a quote. That's something that Tom Brady sent him and told him. So he's going to listen to Tom Brady. But his value now as a college athlete is now at $5.1 million. That makes sense to me. You're the biggest show on TV, even uh, places that don't, 
cover college football that much. They're talking nothing about just the Sanders family. So that makes sense. Who who who's at number two now? So or should Manning I guess? is at number two. Manning's at two point nine, which is just ridiculous. That now, is so ridiculous. Of a, a valuable player. Caleb Williams, he's number three, is at number three, okay. worth NIL worth $2.6 million. Number four, that's got to be uh, Hunter. It is Travis Hunter at $2.2 million. To round out Five. that that top ten, you do have Bo Evan Nicks Stewart. in there. Who? Bo Nix is in there. Bo Nix is in the top ten, Nick. Okay. Where do you think Bo Nix, and what do you think his value is? NIL value. Oregon's been scoring a lot. I'm going to say he's number six. He is right at number eight at 1.3. Number six is the other quarterback who wears a little sky blue, powder blue and white. And that powder blue and white is going to be representative of North Carolina's Drake May. I don't get that, man. $1.5 million. Like, I know he's good, but who and, like, Every time we talk NIL, I bring this up. Who is paying this money? What companies are paying this money, and are they getting a legitimate return on their investment? On Shadur Sanders, absolutely you are. Right. Arch Manning, he gives Manning, his money. Panini Trading Company, I, I love what Arch Manning stands for because he does donate his NIL money. But a young man hasn't even taken a snap. I don't and the that. last name on his jersey surpasses everyone else, including Travis Hunter, who before he gets hit and has a lacerated liver, is one of the most electric players in college football. So that's where I, I get a little confused there. Um, someone in the app says Bo Nix is worth a case of bush light. Mm. That, well, that's one hell of a 12-pack right there because $1.3 million dollars is what it is. Another user in the app. Is it an investment? Pretty sure they just want the best players to come to their school and win games. But is that worth a million dollars? Like if you had a million dollars to spend, would you say, you know what? I'm going to give this to Jalen Milrow. I'm a big Alabama fan. Hey, Jalen, here's a million dollars. Thanks for playing at Alabama. Like I don't get it. What is it? What is it getting you? And you talk about the best players to come to your school and win games. Drake May, North Carolina. They're not winning a national championship out there. So what's the point? Why are you giving him this money? Right? I, I would say, why are you giving I'm him the money? Something. Because you know you're going to get a return on your brand. Whatever your brand is. When you're, when you're always in it, you look at these blenders shades, right? That yep. NIL value. If Shiloh is on it, if Shadur is on it, you've already made when Deion Sanders and that coach, like he said, Colorado State's coach, he opens up his mouth and he just made Deion an extra $5.4 million. And that's what goes to blow your mind when you start looking at it. It's Xavier Worthy, phenomenal wide receiver for Texas, torched Alabama. He comes in in the top. 15, he comes in at number 14. His value is worth $1 million. See, I would not Xavier Worthy. I don't know. I just – maybe this is me being like an old head or something, but I don't understand giving a guy 
like to me, there's only very few college players that are worth potentially this NIL money, like these big giant NIL dollars. Uh, Sanders this year, uh, Williams at USC, I think, Bryce Young last year, and then if you go back to before there was NIL, like a Manziel was worth it, a Cam Newton was worth it, a Tim Tebow was definitely worth it, a Joe Burrow would have definitely been worth it because those guys were household-type names even in college. Xavier Worthy? Like, go and th- Go do go into a Walmart and just do a poll and, and, and interview 500 football fans. Hey, do you know who Xavier Worthy is? How many people are going to be like, yeah, that's, the, that's one of the top 15 players in college. He plays for Texas. Like, I just don't get it, man. Yeah, it is. The, whether it's the collective, whether it's individual boosters, the type of money that is in collegiate athletics now is ridiculous and – you, where do you think the highest Alabama player is in this list? And who do you think it is? It's going to be I somebody that it, I guarantee. I'll, I'll go ahead and I tell you. You don't think I'll get it? Hang on. If you get this, Nick, brother, we're going to do more than play the lottery. See, I think it. I would think it would be Jalen Milrow because I know he had the Beats deal. But your hint of saying I'm probably not going to get it leads me to believe it's not him. It's probably not Kool-Aid McKinstry. It can't be a – is it J.C. Latham? No. <laughs> That's why I said I was blown away by this. It? Chris Braswell, 784K. That's what I'm saying. It doesn't make sense. Chris Braswell. The system is broken, Corey. Kool-Aid McKinstry drops all the way down to 43, yeah, 682K. It's been a rough year so far. Well, we'll be right back on the final drive on WNSP 105.5. This is Tim Brando of Fox Sports telling everyone along the Gulf Coast in Mobile, listen to the opening kickoff with Mark and Lee on 105.5 WNSP. With myself and my main man over here, Corey LeBounty. Corey, there's been some discourse about your Super Bowl contender pick, the Philadelphia Eagles, and that little mosh pit play that they do on third and short and fourth and short. It's called the tush push. The tush push. People are trying to get that thing banned. Because it's, it's converting it like a 90% clip. If you have a yard to go, you are going to convert off that play. Now, I'm not necessarily saying it should be banned. But I did think it was interesting. If you guys watched that Panthers-Saints game, they went for it a few times uh, on third and short. And they would take Bryce Young out and put Andy Dalton in. Because they've been quoted as saying, Bryce Young cannot complete a QB sneak. You won't get the yards. He's too small. Mm-hmm. And I I don't know what that necessarily means in a big picture. But I do think when you need that play for just a couple yards and you do potentially do a fake. Because they did a fake sneak and Andy Dalton pitched it out to Sanders. You're taking your best player 
who you hope is your quarterback and Bryce Young has that potential off the field every time. And I was like, is this just a Bryce Young thing? Are they just trying to keep him safe? So who's another short quarterback? But Kyler, does, does it Baker Mayfield? Kyler but, but Murray's five ten. And I looked and over his whole career, he's been playing a while now. He has only in his whole career attempted one QB sneak. But does it matter when you are the offensive coordinator and the head coach and on fourth and one you're in the shotgun? Does it matter about a tush push? Because many of these coaches, I have never understood the rationale of when it is fourth and one or third and one, you getting in the shotgun five yards behind the line of scrimmage and putting yourself at a disadvantage. And that's why you see so many teams when they do go under center and they do struggle. Bryce Young, not the biggest guy. I, Bryce Young, if he, if he weighs 200 pounds, it's because he's soaking wet, uh -huh. okay? And you're not going to get that type of push with a shorter quarterback. And I know that if you have a good offensive line, you're going to trust them to get the yard that you need anyway. But when these coaches do go, and from the college game all the way through the, the NFL game, when you go to the shotgun on fourth and short, to me, you're already at a disadvantage. Get under center. I love the tush push. I love the fact that you can get as much push as you need from your fullback. So you don't have a problem with it. No problem with it whatsoever and you all you will see the larger quarterbacks I mean Ben Roethlisberger was a prime example you get under center and you go ahead and you get the uh, the six five six six frame moving forward you should be able to get a fourth and short but if you're Jalen Hurts if you're Bryce Young if you're Baker Mayfield and someone in the app even says Drew Brees I, I just I don't know what the situation is Bipu I just can't stand shotgun on third and short, yeah. third and one, fourth and one. It drives me bonkers. Bipu in the app. You go to shotgun on fourth and short if you have Tom Brady. Anyone else, you sneak it. Actually, Tom Brady was the king of the quarterback sneak. He would sneak it in all the time to get that extra yard. Tom Brady did that. Now, all of a sudden, I think Jalen Hurts has taken that crown of being the quarterback sneak king because – I've addressed it uh, after that Vikings game. Jalen Hurts looks slower out there. He looks like he's not really getting that edge on defensive players and outrunning them, but he's still had, what, two rushing touchdowns that game, both of them coming from that tush push. Now, the league tracks everything, Nick. The league, the, the, the data and the statistics and the analytics are analyzed every single season. And according to to this article that was right after March in the Super Bowl. The quarterback sneak has already been growing in popularity between 2016 and 2022. The sneaks, the quarterback sneaks, increased from 73 per season to 291. Yeah, that's crazy. That's so a, you that's go from 73 to rate. 291, according to the New York Times Sports Info Solutions. And they break down every single snap, every single sneak that you have. I just don't think that going forward, as far as in the shotgun, is the answer for any NFL squad, regardless of whether your quarterback is five foot nine, five foot ten, or if he's six so foot six, get under center, trust your offensive line to earn their money and get you that yard. 
Well, people aren't going with that. In the app, someone said Drew Brees used to do sneaks all the time. And yeah, he. but I guess it's a different era now. Kyler Murray has been the franchise quarterback. I'm doing quotation marks with my hands for Arizona for a minute now. He's got the big deal. In that time frame, Colt McCoy has attempted five QB sneaks. That was the longtime Arizona backup. Kyler Murray has only attempted one. Then we see they weren't even doing a sneak. They were just getting the Saints scared that they were going to do a sneak, and then Andy Dalton pitches it out to Sanders. I think he even threw a pass. I Look, is it really an issue? Probably not. I do think that on the play that has the highest conversion rate in a moment where you need it to work, you can't have your main quarterback on the field. Will that be an issue in the big picture? I don't know. You don't have to. As long as at the end of the day, I don't give a rat's tail who is on the field with the quarterback sneak. If you're the Panthers, they ran Andy Dalton out there and got the Saints to jump off sides and got an automatic first down. So I I think that you can have Taysom Hill. It, It doesn't matter who you run out there as long as you get the first down. Your big old lineman can take the snap under center as long as he doesn't fumble the ball and gets it. Someone in the app says Cam Newton, the king of sneaks. Yes, because Cam Newton did have that ideal big boy body frame in which you needed that short yardage and tough yardage for certain. And you talk I, I, about that's the line, it was a problem. You talk about the line, but that Panthers line, they're straight buns. So... Well, I will say this. You've got to line up under the right bun. Poor Bryce Young was getting ready to take a snap. <laughs> I, know, I saw that. And he didn't <laughs> line up. Like, Yo. He lined up under his guard oh, instead man. of his tackle. Oh, oh, excuse boy. me, instead of his center in the shotgun position. And, and it's one of those things you get caught up in the game. He looked down and his running back pushed him over Yo. to make sure that he aligned with the center taking the snap. Can you imagine the disaster that would have happened there if the center snapped the ball? It would have been hilarious. It, it definitely would have not looked good for Bryce Young, but the fact that he got it corrected was pretty good, too. You're listening to The Final Drive on WNSP 105.5. <laughs> Hi, I'm Michael Pierce, NFL defensive tackle. When I'm in the city of Mobile, you can normally find me at WNSP 105.5. Welcome back to the final drive on WNSP 105.5. Corey Bounty, along with Nick Wiggins joining you on this hump day Wednesday. And we don't need a quarterback push or a quarterback assist to get through this next segment here we will have with future ones trent massey future ones providing all of our wnsp apparel to where we're on location and on the road with wnsp you can come out to our events and get that t-shirt that is provided by future ones and it's a nice dry foot fit t-shirt so the next event that we do have make sure you come by and you pick up your future ones wnsp t-shirt i've seen a lot floating around the city of mobile carrying that future ones brand and i see a lot of high school football teams not only on here locally in mobile but statewide on the nfhs network wearing those future ones uniforms and cheerleaders on the sidelines with their head-to-toe future ones apparel and custom-made shoes and trent massey joins us from future ones how's it going trent 
Hey, Corey, how are y'all today? Absolutely blessed by the best. And I tell you, you know, I enjoy rocking our Future Ones WNSP T-shirts throughout the week and the polos throughout the week. I always get asked, man, wh what is what is that? I said, that's our Future Ones custom polo. They're like, how can I order? How can I get something with my team or my group to have something looking as good as what you guys do provide? Man, Corey, that's uh, one thing that we kind of take pride in is we can customize pretty much anything. Um, I don't know if uh, I'm sure you follow Twitter, but uh, we even got some new shoes, some new chucks that are customized for uh, football coaches and different things. I got up in Birmingham for Coach Bates. We did some custom shoes for him. And I'm, I'm in here right now in the office talking to a local cheer coach. Uh, we've gotten some some new cheer stuff in and so uh, we're going to be hitting that market pretty hard next year so uh, we can pretty much do anything man and we that's what we take pride in is somebody needs something we can usually make it happen the great sublimation is we're getting ready here on the calendar to flip the page over to fall so that means you well you know in mobile alabama it can be 85 degrees in december but sometimes according to the calendar, when it does get down to 70 or 65 degrees and you want to have your team brand and your team apparel or your group sublimated and taken care of, if you're taking that troop, uh, that church trip, and you need just regular T-shirts, long sleeve, short sleeve, doesn't matter. Customization is the specialty of Future Ones as well. That's right. Uh, Coach Coach Minto over at Baker just picked up his order of uh, supplemented crew neck T-shirts, our crew neck sweatshirts, fleece lined, a uh, new product we're kind of coming out with right now. He was one of the one of the first ones to get it. Very nice pullover fleece lined, supplemented uh, uh, crew neck sweatshirt. So uh, it's that time of year. People got to start thinking about that. I know we don't wear it all year here, but. Uh, for, for these few months that we need it, um, it's great to have it. So we got cold weather gear. We got, you know, everything you can think of. Well, from head to toe, I mean, from the Rudy to the Tootie, Future Ones can take care of you, not only with that, but you guys also have the equipment that the teams can need to participate in any sport that you can think of, whether it's pickleball, golf, tennis, football, baseball, basketball, you guys have it all covered. How can people reach out and see what products you have to offer? You can always uh, check all that stuff out on our website. It's futureones.com. That's the word future, the number one, and an S, futureones.com. Um, you can also check us out on Facebook, Twitter, all those channels. Uh, yeah, of course, as far as equipment goes, we have people reach out to us all the time for custom wall padding um, for for gyms, wall padding for baseball fields, for backstops. I'm doing some stuff with Bessemer High School up in Birmingham right now with some baseball uh, backstops. And so there's so many different things that are needed out there, and people need to, you know, a lot of people just don't know that's what we do. But if you, if you can think of it, any type of equipment, um, you know, we, we can do that as well. So. Trent Massey, can't thank you enough for your time and your support here of the final drive in WNSP. We look forward to talking to you again next week. Thanks, Corey. You guys have a great weekend. Do the same. Trent Massey, Future Ones, joining us this afternoon on the final drive. And, folks, 4 o'clock, that means we're going to get Teague's take coming up.
on not only the Alabama Crimson Tide struggles offensively, but we'll talk about the Dallas Cowboys being 2-0. He's also an analyst for Dallas Cowboys. Teague's take coming up next here on The Final Drive. The Sound of Mobile presents For the win! The Final Drive No, they didn't Oh my gracious yep. How about that? With Corey Labounty and Nick Wiggins For the win! Yes! Live on 105.5 FM And streaming on the Sound of Mobile app Oh, oh, unbelievable of the final drive that means we're about to get Teague's take George Teague he's an Alabama sports hall of famer former national champion with the Alabama Crimson Tide and currently an NFL analyst for CBS 11 sports for the Dallas Cowboys George how's it going this Wednesday my friend man it is a great day to be alive and to be able to talk sports, that's for sure. Absolutely, George. And and we'll start off talking about the ugly of the weekend, which was in South Florida as Alabama rotates. We're, we're really in the same spot we were a week ago when I talked to you on last Wednesday because Nick and I were talking to you about what Jalen Miro needs to do to keep the current quarterback position Little did we know two days later. South Florida, right? Yeah. Little did we know two days later, Nick Saban's going to say, Milro is not the man. We're going to go with Buckner. We're going to start him. Well, here it is again on Wednesday, and Jalen Milro is still QB1. You know, during the offseason, I was talking about this problem that I saw as a coach, right? That when you can't declare someone early, you either got somebody that's really, really good and you just don't want to stir up the pot because you got to, you know, what's supposed to be a high transfer, high profile transfer coming in, or you had a bunch of average guys and you really, really weren't sure what was going to happen. And I think, you know, we all see now that, you know, that quarterback position from everybody that we've seen all need a little bit of work. Um, but I do think just from the one game I watch with, uh, Buckner and the, and the other guys, uh, I think Milrose is a guy that's going to help us play the best. Um, now, I, I hate that we've had three quarterbacks in three games, but <laughs> yes, it is what it is, you know. It, it, it really is, George. And when you boil down to it, you were part of the greatest defense in the history of Alabama football and were able to carry kind of an anemic offense at times, a very low-scoring offense. I won't say anemic. I'm going to say low-scoring offense for the Crimson Tide during your national championship run. If you were to sit and say 3-3 three to three at halftime, that's kind of reminiscent of how you guys battled up, not necessarily against a, an opponent like South Florida, but you guys mucked it up like that throughout the entire season. You won the national championship. Yeah, no, you're exactly right. And I actually put out a tweet um, on Teague football during the game that I felt like this, this is the time when the defense had to say, hey, come on, I got I got you guys. You know, there's a model that we used 
Um, and I'm, I hope they still have it. But we used to say it all the time is, win on D, count on me. That's what That was our mantra. We Yeah, sure, you wanted our offense to be able to score and all that, but we knew going in that, hey, if they don't score, we will, and we'll figure out a way to win the game. So I'm hoping that our defense, you know, picks it up a little bit and kind of takes that that mantra on. And the way you have to do that is because you got to create turnovers. We're not creating, creating enough. And so do you guys mind if I give you some uh, quick little uh, – not necessarily stats, but it's a little bit of information on what's happened in the past couple of years with our turnovers. I think it's interesting. Let's go I think inside it has the a lot to do with it. Let's go with it. Okay, so in uh, 2021, let's just start there. In 2021, we were ranked um, – no, in 2020. In 2020, we were ranked 18th overall in turnovers uh, created or, you know, winning a battle. That's pretty good, right? The only person we were behind in the in the uh, SEC was uh, LSU. In 2021, we were ranked 26th. The only person we, people we were behind was uh, in the uh, SEC was Ole Miss. Now this is where it kind of got alarming to me. In 2022, we were ranked 80th <laughs> behind Tennessee, Mississippi State, Georgia, uh, Vanderbilt, Arkansas, LSU, and Ole Miss. And now we're in 2023, and we're not even ranked in the top 100 yet. So as much as we're talking about what we um, aren't doing on offense, man, we got to get this defense together, too. we got to turn the ball over to give our offense more chances to score or score on defense, special teams, or something to give ourselves a chance to win. There's obviously so many question marks and holes in this Alabama team. What do you think is the – one glaring bright spot, if there is any, that, hey, all of y'all need a lot of work, but you guys just keep it up? Um, number 13, Malachi Moore. He's real. <laughs> he's good, man. He, he's a, a tempo setter. He's hitting. He's playing aggression. You can see his passion when he plays. Um, um, and I think that's great. You know, so I'm publicly saying to him, man, keep doing what you're doing. I think it's totally awesome. Um, I think that on the offensive side of the ball, uh, we got to turn up a little bit. I mean, obviously, we got to have a little bit more leadership. Maybe it, maybe it comes from uh, Chase McClellan, you know, to be able to say, hey, man, he's having to block. He's got to run. He's taking a pounding. He's, uh, I mean, if you watch him, the blitz pickups that he's having to do come from all over the place. Um, he just has to keep doing what he's doing and stay patient um, as well. And then, you know, I think I would hope Kool-Aid could be the, the guy that could take over the whole team, you know, because he's involved in the special teams part of it as well and be the voice to say, hey, man, we got this, um, and let's go get it. Yeah, Kool-Aid McKinstry is definitely that difference maker. But Malachi Moore has, whether he's been injured or been on the bench, he always has great body language, and that's very important. And when you do look at body language, which is evident that Coach Saban is doing, because my hot take is it's not necessarily the two interceptions that doomed Jalen Milrow. It's something that occurred in between that ending of that Saturday game and the leading up to Friday, which would have been a full week's worth of practice. And I don't think Jalen Milrow practiced any worse than he had been practicing 
in preparation for Middle Tennessee State or for Texas. I just think something was wrong with his body language. And Nick Saban wanted to send Jalen Miro a personal message because even with the struggles, no coach in their right mind, even the GOAT is going to say, I'm satisfied with the 3-3 three to three game at halftime with South Florida. I'm not going to put my best quarterback out there in order to do it. <laughs> no, you're you're exactly right. Body language does mean a lot more than you can, than people can even think um, about. You know, we, our generation, I'll say our this generation, these athletes. Sometimes they, our feelings get hurt a little too much, you know. Um, and I hate it because they're under a microscope, TV cameras everywhere, uh, cell phones everywhere. They hear everything you say. There's really no privacy. Um, to it, so if you roll your eyes or something on in the game, uh, it's going to show up <laughs> somewhere, you know. So they're under a microscope, and I, I don't know if that's necessarily fair, but it is what it is, and they got to understand that. So when there's talk about man, you didn't play well, and you know the internet's blowing up or social media's blowing up, they got to figure out how to do better, you know, and um, make those naysayers go away by the way that you play. Right. Um, speak to the coach privately. Understand that, hey, man, you might have to sit, but it sounds like he did a good job, um, you know, in the game. What I saw, he didn't, he wasn't walking around being negative there. Maybe in practice, he didn't do what he needed to do. Um, but um, now we all know. Again, I, I'm, I'm giving a shout out to him. Hopefully he's listening. Uh, Jaden Monroe, man, you got to take it over. Do what you got to do, man. Get in that uh, playbook, study the film, all that you need to do, and figure out how to win the game. Just be the leader and let everybody know that they can be behind you. Um, because ultimately he, he's the one that's going to have to take us to the place where we'll be able to compete for an SEC championship. We're talking with Alabama Hall of Famer George Teague. And look, if Jalen Milrow is listening, first off, hey, can I get a pair of beats if you have any extra? <laughs> and second off, since he's listening, what do you have to say to him to prepare schematically to make sure that they can get a victory against a tough Ole Miss team? And Lane Kiffin, he has been talking all type of smack to Nick Saban in preparation for the game. Well, be like uh, primetime and say, hey, man, he made it personal. He made it personal, man. Don't be talking about the quarterback. Don't be, I, I need Nick you know, Saban to saving. give everyone some sunglasses, huh? man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, it, it's – listen, I've been not maybe not personally attacked by another coach um, or something, but I know how I felt when I did read a report from someone else who said, hey, he doesn't tackle well. Or he, uh, you know, he's got a weakness here or something. I was like, what is this? And you're talking about having a chip on my shoulder, the way that I went to the weight room and the way that I decided I was going to crash it. Oh, okay. You know, and I'm playing against myself at this point. Like, someone's really saying this about me. I cannot let that happen. So I'm hoping that the self-motivational piece, would, you know, for them to say, oh, well, you know, I'm just glad Bryce Young ain't playing. Well, if I was him, I'd, I'd try to make sure he knew that, no, you weren't playing Bryce Young, but you were playing me. And however you need to beat him with your legs, with your arms, a great play, a, a, a something, just go do it. Um, man, because he can. We know he has a big arm. He can run the ball. Hopefully they put him in a position where he can use both things, 
you know, because he does need to be able to run the ball. I'm not afraid for them to go ahead and do that. Start calling the quarterback powers <laughs> and all these things. Just do it, you know. Um, it might be boring. People might not like it, but that's his strength. Let's play to it. Give him a chance to win the football game. All right, so give Jalen Milrow a chance to win the football game. We'll get Teague's take on what the final score will be for the Alabama Crimson Tide over the Ole Miss Rebels. Uh, I still think it's going to be a low-scoring game, low-scoring. Uh, and I don't even know what – I didn't look at the, the line or anything of that nature, so I'm going off of just pure heart here. Um, I do think we're able to score um, a couple touchdowns and a few field goals, so that puts me at 22. Okay, I'm going to go with 22 to 17. We win this ball game. Our defense does enough to to keep them off, and we find a way to run the ball and, and score when we need to. 22 to 17, Alabama's line is favored by six and a half in this game. So I, I think no, that, it was close. Y- yes, yeah. six and a half is the line. And, and my good friend Ray Ray Russell, who was Jamarcus Russell's uncle, used to say the team with the most points at the end of the game is going to win the game. It, it doesn't matter if it's 2-0, to 1-0. to zero. As long as Alabama comes away with that W, as far as me predicting, I think that it will be Ole Miss is going to be able to score, and I think that they'll be able to score 17 points against this Crimson Tide defense, but I ultimately think that Alabama's offense will find a way where we'll be looking at 24-17, to 17, something like that. I'm, I'm right along with – Close to your 22, but I'm going to say Alabama 24, Ole Miss 17. And I know that if Alabama can be dominant the way your Dallas Cowboys and Micah Parsons has been dominant through the first two weeks, it'll be a great weekend, not only for Saturday and Sunday for you. Man, let me tell you something. I love that game. And just to see the the how fast they're moving, the attitude, all the stuff we want to see. You know, with them or whatnot, just the intensity and the fire and the passion. The Cowboys got it. They got that swag right now. Um, Dan Quinn with that defense, good Lord. Um, he, he's got them playing lights out. When you when you hold uh, Brees Hall and Dalvin Cook to like 16 yards total <laughs> for the game, I, I think that's um, – saying something magnificent. And then McCarth- uh, Mike McCarthy um, calling the plays. Sorry, this is my office phone ringing. Um, when Mike McCarthy is calling the plays, it's uh, his creativity, what he's doing to get guys in position to use their strengths. You know, you're seeing CD get 11 catches for 143 yards. You know, um, giving Tony Pollard 20 carries. Uh getting Deuce Vaughn in. I mean, he's working everybody um, into the game right now. Do you think that Micah Parsons is the best defensive player in the league? It seems like no matter what the play is, run, pass, he's always in there, and he's just – and a lot of times it's like he's not even getting contact from the offensive lineman. Well, what I think happened is they point to him. You know how the linemen normally point and say, hey, Levin's over there, Levin's over there. And that's telling everybody, don't even go over there. <laughs> They're scared of just, hey, uh, there's nobody can block him. So uh, it's just not the the place that you want to be in with him because he is too strong. He's too fast. He is 
smart. If you watched him in the offseason, so I did go to go to training camp, right, and get to watch the way that he worked. His motor didn't change from the game that it does in practice. He is really whooping people's butt all the time. Um, and so uh, I would be afraid to block him, too. Uh, I, we, we say, hey, they're trying to hide him. They're moving him around. And that's true. But if he's right there in front of you and you know he's about to get at you, no one's been able to block him. So um, I think that's why he's just he should be the defensive player of the year. Deuce Vaughn has been a great addition to this Cowboys offense. Also, the little fella, I know he has a tremendous story with his father already being on staff with the Dallas Cowboys, but you love to see it for the 5'6", 176-pound rookie out of Kansas State. Get the touches and be electric because you really know that he has the ability to make house calls with his speed every time he touches it in the backfield, if he gets past the line of scrimmage or on special teams. Uh, can we go ahead and tell the truth and say he's not five six? Two five five, man. <laughs> and whatever he said his weight is, it'll probably take about ten pounds off of that. <laughs> uh but you know what? He is so electric and so fast. How can y'all do y'all even remember when he took that eighty yard run against us last year? Uh <laughs> you know, that that was enough to get him drafted right there, just yeah. the way he parted the season our against Alabama. But then I got to watch him in practice as well. And I, I've seen it, but it wasn't like that like I watched it when I was at camp. This dude is like super crazy quick. And his balance, because he's low to the ground like a little race car or whatever, and he knows how to keep himself hidden um, behind the lineman. It, it is it is so fun to watch. He doesn't drop the passes. He bobbled the ball a little bit, got a little bit nervous, but – I think by the end of the year, he's going to have a bigger package um, because you're going to be able to throw in the ball. I can see him put him in, you know, out wide a little bit, um, not just in the backfield, which he's, he's fine at as well. Just really can't blitz block right now. But um, he's a sleeper, man. You you fantasy people need to uh, be looking at him later on because he might be someone that comes in and starts getting some points for, for the old Dallas Cowboys. Well, someone we would love to see get points for the Dallas Cowboys is Mobile's own Jalen Tolbert. And Tolbert, you look at him and how quiet he was last year. For whatever reason, Dallas decided not to play him a lot. And this year in the preseason, you saw Jalen catch a touchdown and kind of come into his own. But he does make his mark in the stat sheet in the game, having three receptions for 18 yards. I think this young wide receiver is going to continue to get better and his confidence level is going to be that of a C.D. Lamb if he continues to catch footballs that are thrown his direction. Yes. I, you know, I, he didn't get injured, but I would almost put him in the category of comeback, comeback player of the year because of the adversity he faced. I think he may have been a little bit um, didn't acclimate as fast as he thought it might have coming to the NFL. You can't really... Um, I can't put into words how how different it is in the speed of the game. You know, if he's not accustomed to playing against that type of talent in college, as good as he was, it's just different when every DB you go up against is four two four three, you know, six three six four, and they're pressing you and and we're giving you a playbook that you got to learn in six weeks. Um, 
you know, so it can slow your process down a little bit. So I think he kind of got caught up in that a little bit. But but this offseason, he started working. You saw the, the the extra work that he's putting in, and he definitely made an impact in taking advantage of the opportunity he had, particularly in his last game since Brandon Cooks was out, um, where he could get in and really show um, his value and his worth. That Jets-Cowboys matchup this past Sunday, that was my preseason Super Bowl pick. <laughs> I had the Jets beating the Cowboys in the Super Bowl. That was with an Aaron Rodgers, obviously. Now, you saw firsthand the new Zach Wilson experience. Do you think that the Jets are done without having a quarterback of Rodgers' caliber, or, or were they just facing a really tough Cowboys defense, and it's hard for anyone to look good? No, I think he's – I don't think he's at the face of the program. Um, I don't think he can be. I I was really – I was looking forward to watching Aaron Rodgers play and, and come to see if he's going to disappoint our Cowboys again. Um, but as you can see, yes, our defense is very, very good, but you can see some of the decisions that he was making that I think – although I think he has improved um, – I still think that they're going to be looking for a quarterback um, <laughs> next year, re regardless of where they fall in the end. It sounds like you. I love your bold predictions that you make too. You know, I hate that your uh, Nick DeJerry's keep falling apart all the time. Uh, oh, you already got prime time as coach of the year. You got hey, hang on Jeff now. Just going to the Super Bowl. Hang on now. <laughs> Dion, Dion, you probably got great. some more out there that I ain't even heard yet. I just figured I'd know. Well, I, I, I did have a bold take that Texas was going to win against Alabama. That one came true, didn't okay. it? Well, yeah, it did, it did. But you know, I, I, you're not a homer like I am, so that, that's okay. And that makes realist. two of us, George. That I'm makes a cynical realist, but I'm also, <laughs> I also, uh, I'm a little optimistic too. Well, I, I know I'm also I'm really optimistic. humble. I'm optimistic that even a blind squirrel finds an acorn every now and then <laughs> to stay alive. So I, I will say that. And I, I know this, with the Dallas Cowboys in the NFC East, so far the NFC East, if you look at it, 7-1 and one so far, even the Giants at 1-1 one and one with all their miraculous comeback against the Cardinals, the team that the Cowboys will be facing this Sunday. The Cowboys, do they easily go to 3-0 and and – how long does Dak Prescott play against the Arizona Cardinals? Is it four quarters worth, or do the Cowboys make light work of them and get everybody an opportunity to get some reps this week? I think it's going to be a route. I mean, the way that the, the Cardinals are actually playing right now, still not having Kyler Murray, it seems like they're just emptying them, themselves out to try to figure out which, who's going to be their first-round pick or quarterback that they really want to try to get next year. So I think that with the – Total dominance. The defense is too good for what they have on offense. Dak Prescott through the 31 for 38, highest quarterback rating this past week. I think that continues. I don't think we have any turnovers. So um, I think, yeah, he probably plays until the fourth. But after that, he's over there with his hat on. Uh, drinking a pina colada or something in a, in a Gatorade cup <laughs> um, to finish out the game. Love it, love it. And if people want to hear more of Teague's take, you do a great job not only with the Dallas Cowboys but breaking down and giving your thoughts and your evaluations with your son on your show, Teague's Take, every Wednesday. How can people reach out and listen to more of Teague's Takes? 
Yeah, y'all should come check us out on YouTube tonight, uh, 8.15 p.m. Central Time. Uh, we actually got Ryan Fowler, who's the host of the game on Tide 100.9 uh, in Tuscaloosa coming on tonight, and Aaron Sotos, who's the director of content for Yale, Alabama. Um, he's going to be on um, on the second half of the show as well. So you can find me at Teak Football on Instagram and Twitter. Come on out and get that. And you know what? Did you guys know? I don't even know if I, know if I told you about you know me being on Cowboys Flashback now, uh, which is, can be found on DallasCowboys.com or on Bally's on Monday nights. Um, and, of course, I do the Cowboys pregame show, uh, 1030 on CBS 11. So there's a lot of places you can find me. But you know what I like, Ben? On Wednesdays at 4 o'clock, right here on the final drive, baby, hanging out with yeah. Corey and Nick, man. This is it. Make sure you check us out here every week. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna cut that promo right now, man. Appreciate mm-hmm. the appreciate yeah. the love, George, and, and it's reciprocated from one Alabama fan to another Roll Tide Roll, and we'll get it in gear and be one and zero when we talk to you next Wednesday. We'll be talking about the the Crimson Tide moving forward and getting ready for the next opponent. All right, man. Well, I appreciate it. you guys. Have a great day. George Teague, again, you can find him at Teague's Take, at Teague Football on Twitter slash X. You can catch him out on YouTube at Teague's Take, and we always appreciate George Teague, an Alabama Sports Hall of Famer, former University of Alabama national champion, and now covers the Dallas Cowboys for uh, one of his former teams and always enjoy our Wednesdays at 4 o'clock with George T. The final drive will be right back. Hey everybody, this is Gabe Gross and you're listening to WNSP 105.5. Back to the final drive on WNSP 105.5 Corla Bounty along with Nick Wiggins. Want to thank George Teague for joining us and always on Wednesdays at 4 o'clock giving us Teague's takes whether it's on the Dallas Cowboys or the Alabama Crimson Tide and on the other side of this break we're open for another 30 minutes before our special in-depth and exclusive interview with Antonio Coleman the Sarah Land defensive lineman who has verbally committed to the University of Alabama and if you've seen Sarah Land play this year you can see this young defensive lineman, especially in week one against Lipscomb on national television, burst onto the scene and show up and show out, has gone a 180 from what his game was a year ago. And that's why you have the power fives that came a calling. But his backstory that includes his father, along with his uncle, who is currently a homicide detective for the Mobile Police Department and his father's story of becoming incarcerated and coming out to see his son put on that historic performance on national television and get the chance to see his son play for the first time ever in the history of his son's life, play football at any level, whether it's peewee, middle school, high school, got a chance to see him on national television in person Put on a performance so you don't want to miss that exclusive interview that we're going to be bringing you right here on WNSP 105.5 at the 5 o'clock hour and remember you can call us 251-694-1055 respond in the app download that sound of mobile app to where you can 
put your input in and get ready for the pigskin peach show this weekend as well on friday nights give us your scores but open segment coming up on the final drive here next on wnsp 105.5 This is Chris Samuels. You're listening to WNSP 105.5 Roll Tide. And God bless. Welcome back to the final drive. Just got done talking with George Teague. He called me out on my hot takes, but then I had to say, well, there was one big one that I got right. And I'm not going to say that Ole Miss is going to beat Alabama. I'm not going to say that. They can. They have the ability to. Let me read off some things for you, okay? And let me see if uh, I know you, you still you got Alabama in the national championship still, right? <laughs> but let me just riddle off some some numbers. Ole Miss has Alabama's old defensive coordinator, Pete Golding. He knows a little bit of the secret sauce. Okay. That goes into the sandwich. So does Lane Kiffin. Exactly. Bama's coming off probably their worst game in 10 years. That result it did result in a win, but I think we can all agree it not wasn't pretty. Wasn't pretty. Was not pretty. Looking like never mind, let me stop. <laughs> Bama's offensive line has given up 10 sacks in the last 2 weeks, Corey. If not now, for Lane Kiffin to finally beat his former mentor, if not now for the Padawan to finally rise up against Darth Saban, will it ever happen? Because all the things that you would need to happen to potentially finally beat Nick Saban, they're all happening right now. But you're saying no, not now, not ever. If I recall here, what what happened to most of the Padawans when <laughs> one young Anakin Skywalker got a hold of them? What what happened to most of them? What did he do to them? They got slaughtered. Oh, okay. They got slaughtered. Well, I don't have to predict the slaughter in this situation because I'm a Star Wars junkie. I love Star Wars, so I'll go right there with you. I, I know that with Pete Golding coming over, you know, I think it ran its course there at Alabama, and he's a, a tremendous recruiter, and it's evident as he gets hired quickly by Lane Kiffin. And what better way to go ahead and say, look, I coach for Nick Saban. I know what makes Nick Saban tick, and to get in Nick Saban's head, you know, okay, you hire Pete Golding, and some players go ahead and, and, and jump in the portal and want to play for Pete Golding. That's great. That's all nice and dandy. But to me, is it going to make a difference when it comes down to Lane Kiffin actually having a chance to beat Nick Saban? Now, Lane Kiffin 10 years ago gets fired at USC on the tarmac, okay? And he's able to find a way to bounce back in his career. And ultimately, 10 years later, he's a head coach in the Southeastern Conference and you hear some people say, look, I would love for Lane Kiffin to come coach after Nick Saban does. Can't take away from 
what Lane Kiffin knows X's and O's wise. Can't mm-hmm. take away from the offensive problems I think he's going to present for Alabama. But, Nick, this is not the year. This isn't it, huh? This is not the year for Lane Kiffin to defeat Nick Saban in Tuscaloosa. It's not the year. Well, we'll see. I'm not going to give one of my Nick Wiggins guarantees, but I do think if you're looking at all the stats and the numbers and the back-and-forth quarterback carousel and the fact that they got the defensive coordinator and that they're pumping their chest a little bit, talking a little smack, and we've both said this is the softest Nick Saban's been in a while, I'll tell you this, when Michael Bronner sends that email and asks for the staff picks, I don't know where the hell we're ranked on that. I don't even know. <laughs> I'm going to mark Ole Miss. I'll say that. Okay. Well, hey, look, that's going to be your prediction, Ole Miss over Alabama. I, it's not. It, it's something that, you know, like you said, can it happen? Yeah. Will it happen? No. It's not going to. I think the bigger and intriguing matchup is going to go over with the Auburn Tigers taking on the Texas A&M Aggies. That's where you're going to go ahead and look at where you are standing from a football program. Now, I've, I've said this, and I'm a believer in this, that football in the state of Alabama is so much greater when both Alabama and Auburn are elite and competitive. And I'm not talking about a 4-6 and six Auburn or a 5-6 and six Auburn or a 7-6 and six Alabama. I mean, when you have a one-loss Alabama or one-loss Auburn or both teams, Alabama comes in undefeated or Auburn comes in undefeated and the other team only has one loss and you're looking at the division championship being on the line. And this is the last year to where we can enjoy that because divisionless football is coming. So you want Alabama and Auburn both to be successful because of the rivalry that has been created in the SEC West. And the SEC West has been so much more fun when it is Alabama and Auburn and all eyes of the nation are on the Iron Bowl. When both those teams are firing on all four cylinders, that is by far the greatest rivalry in college football to watch. The Iron Bowl game, I'd take it over Ohio State-Michigan. I'd take it over Texas and Oklahoma. The Iron Bowl, it's it, some of the greatest moments in college football history have come from an Iron Bowl against these two teams. However, as much as I would like to see that dream of yours come to fruition again, I think it's going to be real tough for Auburn at Texas A&M. I think that's the first real legitimate competition that Auburn has faced. And personally, I just haven't really been that they haven't given me anything to say. I haven't been uh, impressed offensively, offensively with Auburn either. I'm not impressed, and they haven't really faced any top-tier competition yet. Texas A&M, they played Miami, so they have that chip on their shoulder. I think Auburn's kind of walking in wide-eyed, full of hope, full of heart, and there's just a bunch of angry dudes on the other side. So we'll see, but I don't know. I'm not. I can't go Auburn. I can't go Alabama. We might. We might uh, go zero and two out here for the SEC here in the state this weekend. I no, hope not. Not gonna maybe. happen, Nick we'll Wiggins. See. Not gonna happen. Not gonna happen. Not gonna happen. 
it, 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 it's a opposite. situation to where Auburn is going to show the Auburn fans what they want to see. But I, I do agree with the voice of the pack. My guy says Kiffin makes bad decision when he plays Alabama. He gets greedy. He goes against all analytics. He goes against all numbers. He wants to beat Nick Saban so bad, yes. so bad. And there, it, there is not a two-week period that goes by to where Lane Kiffin does not make mention of Alabama and or Nick Saban. In his, in his press conference, in his yep. tweets, there's always going to be some reference to Alabama and Nick Saban he can't go longer than two weeks, but he is going to get greedy, and he is going to roll the dice against Alabama, and it is going to backfire, whether it's is going it forward on fourth and seven or third and seven or kicking a a 60-yard a, a field goal. He's going to do something that's going to wind up costing Ole Miss that's going to change the momentum in that game and going to get T-Town absolutely rocking. I, I would say that Texas played a greedy game against Alabama, taking some – Haymaker swings and it paid off. I don't know, man. It's bound you to happen learn sooner or from later. Those right? Lessons. Yeah, but look, you talk about making bad decisions. Did Nick Saban not make one of the weirdest decisions of all time last week? <laughs> Again, I don't know what I have my own viewpoint on why Nick Saban set Jalen Milrow on the bench the entire game through the offensive struggles and all. I have my own opinions about that. And I think a lot of it has to do with his body language and what he did at practice that we didn't see, that we weren't privy to. And no one's going to confess up to that but Nick Saban, and he's not even going to say it. He just made a, a, a wrong, a right, by making Milro back QB1. And I know we have a caller on the line. Caller, good afternoon and welcome to the final drive. Who am I talking with? Hey, Corey, man. I hate to do this to you, but... I have to agree with Nick. I think Auburn's got a better chance of winning this week than Alabama. Man, I'm just, I just, I, I, I think with uh, Kiffin, yeah, I think he's going to make aggressive decisions, but I think this might be the year he gets it done. Man, I just, I just, I just don't see them being able to shoot it out with Ole Miss and keep up with the point scoring. Yeah, I, I think that when you look at Alabama having lesser of a chance to win against Ole Miss than Auburn does going on the road. You just got to look where that game's played. It's in Tuscaloosa. So you're going to say Alabama losing at home to Ole Miss and Auburn has a better chance to win on the road? Man, I think so because I think I think, I think Auburn, I hate to say this, I think Auburn's got a potential better quarterback play. Uh, I think Hugh, Hugh Freeze's offense is better. Uh, we've seen Jimbo Fisher just – you know what, the bed every time he gets a chance. But I, I think the only reason Kiffin's aggressive decisions have come to backfire in the past how many years is because Alabama had elite quarterbacks that could make him pay the price for going on fourth down. They don't have that this year. Well, it's going to be an interesting situation to where we'll find out here how Auburn answers the call at Texas A&M. We love the app. Chris Shepard says Auburn 4-1 and one at College Station. Great, great analogy right there as far as four and one those numbers don't lie we have another caller caller who am i speaking with got about a minute here uh, robert robert how you doing this afternoon got one minute left thanks for calling oh man I, i'm doing great man i love what you do for high school football bringing it on mobile county public school system thank uh, you. tv thank you, you do a great job with it 
Appreciate it. Uh, what I want to say is, man, I don't see a shootout this weekend, man. I think we, I think our defense playing lights out, and I think we can shut they, I think we can shut that offense down if, if, if we, uh, if we can hold the ball and keep it out of their hands. That's gonna be the key right there. I think I have faith enough in that defense to where they can shut. They've been playing good ball. That's all I got to say. What's that final score looking final like? You think? Five. We lost him before he gave us the final score, but, hey, he's looking for the defense to put on a show and control the time of possession. You're you're right. You you know that my man Lane Kiffin loves to be explosive, loves to score in bunches, loves to roll the dice, whether it's an onside kick or like somebody in the app says, not punting on your own 30-yard line is probably not the best thing to do. But if he thinks this Alabama offense is anemic and he doesn't respect Jalen Milrow, He's going to make this offensive line work for what it gets. So he'll set him up on a short field because he'll let Will Reichard be the difference maker in this well, contest. And let's think, people. Jalen Milrow looked amazing before that Texas game. The Texas game revealed the deficiencies in his game. Nah, brother. Th and there's now not one game Ole that Miss defines is your deficiencies. Saying, Look, he's going to take that deep shot. Or he going to run for it? So they're going to let that middle, those real reads, be there for a little bit and just, I think, bank on Jalen Milrow. That's the biggest thing. Get in the middle. Throw to Crimson. Throw to Crimson is what Jalen Milrow Red has to do to win close. the game. Throw to Crimson. That's all he has to do. The final drive will be right back. Hi, I'm Bobby Humphrey, and when I'm in Mobile, I'm listening to WNSP FM 105.5. Welcome back to the final drive on WNSP 105.5. Corey Bounty, along with Nick Wiggins joining you on this Hump Day Wednesday edition of the final drive. And coming up here in the 5 o'clock hour, you don't want to miss our in-depth, exclusive family interview with Sarah Land's four-star defensive line, Alabama commit Antonio Coleman as his father and his uncle both joined us in the WNSP studios to talk about Antonio's upbringing, what football means to him. Why did he commit to the Alabama Crimson Tide? What is he looking for in moving toward Alabama's defensive dominance? We've seen Antonio Coleman be so dominant for Sarah Land's defense this year. There's a special backline story behind this to where you don't want to miss what his father and his uncle have meant to him in his growth and why it was so special for his father to see him play his first ever football game on ESPN live and in person. He can go back and watch the video forever, knowing that his first game, being able to watch his son, who is now going to the University of Alabama as a probably a five-star commit after this end of this season. Antonio Coleman's interview coming up next, Nick. So I'm looking forward to that exclusive behind-the-scenes look at the family. Yeah, uh, you put your 60 Minutes hat on, Corey, getting those in-depth, behind-the-lines, maybe not necessarily so sports-heavy on the topics because this is real stuff here, man. It's real life. It's real life. You'll, you'll go and hear about Antonio Coleman's father who was incarcerated and him coming out, making a difference in his son's life even though he was incarcerated. You'll hear about the great upbringing by his uncle Jermaine Rogers who is a member of the Mobile Police Department Homicide Division so 
our number three of the final drive. We'll start off talking with Antonio Coleman, four-star defensive lineman prospect from Sarah Land High School. You don't want to miss it coming up next here on the final drive. The Sound of Mobile presents for the win! The Final Drive. No, they didn't. Oh, my gracious. Yeah. How about that? With Corey Labounty and Dick Wiggins. For the win! Yes! Live on 105.5 FM and streaming on the Sound of Mobile app. Oh, oh, unbelievable. It's a special edition of the Final Drive. Corey Labounty joined by a special guest in the studio here at WNSP. Antonio Coleman, defensive lineman, just verbally committed to the University of Alabama. Of course, he's a 6A state champion for the Saraland Spartans. Joined by Jermaine Rogers, his uncle, along with his father, Tony Rogers, in studio with us. Fellas, good morning, and it's always a pleasure to join you. Morning, 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 morning. Fellas, I, I want to jump right in. This is a great interview opportunity for everybody and the listeners to learn more about Antonio's story because there is a tremendous backstory behind it. And behind every successful person, there are people that made it possible. And that's why I wanted to have Jermaine and Tony in the studio with us. Antonio, here recently you committed to verbally committed to the University of Alabama. I know you have a teammate, Ryan Williams, who's also verbally committed to Alabama. But what made that decision for you to go to Tuscaloosa? What made a decision for me to uh, commit to Alabama is since I was a kid, I always wanted to go to Alabama. Uh, it always been a dream, and I just feel like uh, I'm fulfilling my dreams by committing to a school that I always wanted to go to. I know you had a chance to be in Tuscaloosa to see the Alabama versus Texas contest. That atmosphere, there's a great atmosphere that happens every Friday night at Saraland High School. You just look at the electric electricity that was exhibited when you guys played on national television on ESPN versus Lipscomb. But when you look at the atmosphere that you experienced for Alabama, Texas, was that the deciding factor when you get on the sidelines, see the big fellas warming up, popping the pads? Was that the deciding factor for you when you got into that environment? Yes, sir. That made me pull the trigger. Uh, and especially when they had the light show after, uh, it just felt like home. It just felt like uh, basically home. Now, you have your father here, Tony Rogers. Tony Rogers and I grew up together right in West Mobile. We attended elementary school together at John Will Middle School together at Hillsdale. And Tony went on to play football at Shaw High School, was a Shaw Rebel. And, Tony, I know football was always in you. When we were growing up as kids, you always loved to play football. You had a chance to play at Shaw High School and then go on to Jackson State and have – uh, an opportunity to continue your college career there. But to see your son be a dominant defensive lineman like you were at Shaw High School, how does that make you feel? Um, I, can't, I can't explain the feeling, but it's just like after the first game I seen him play, man, I was just – I couldn't believe how good he was seeing him in person. Like, I was like, man, it's, it, it was unbelievable seeing him playing and – yeah, he really liked that. 
We'll set the table for you having the opportunity to see his first game. His first game that you had a chance to see in person was against Lipscomb, against a team that was nationally ranked on ESPN. We'll set the table to see how and why it was your first game getting an opportunity to see your son play. I know when decisions are made in life that make you wonder and ponder one bad decision can cost you a lifetime. Having an opportunity to come out of federal prison, having an opportunity to be incarcerated and not get a chance to see your son play in person. I know that that was a difficult situation for you, but finally getting an opportunity to see him in the flesh, to see him put on that number and to represent knowing the type of player and the dominance that he had, set the table for that, Tony. Uh, well, I cried on the way to the game and on the way back from the game. And I was just so excited and proud. And the way he showed his dominance on the field Friday night against a ranked opponent in the nation, man, I was just so proud of him. And after that game, now I told him, I said, you the best now. Now, what's interesting, too, is the fact that your brother, Jermaine Rogers, who works for the Mobile Police Department in the Homicide Division, he's known nationally on television yeah. as part of the first 48 series that runs on A&E and Jermaine being 10, 10 years younger than you having an opportunity to to see your brother and to see him be successful follow in your footsteps from a football standpoint there's a 10 year difference there you went to Shaw you see your brother go to Shaw talk about how happy you are for your brother I'm very happy for him. Um, I remember the day when he told me he was thinking about becoming a police officer and asked me what I think about it. Like I told him, anything that better you and better your lifestyle and just be a better person. And I was happy for him. I, I was, I'm his biggest fan. That's got to be uh, an interesting dynamic, Jermaine, for you knowing that, hey, look, my older brother... He made a, a bad decision. He was incarcerated. I can learn from his decision. I can learn to go ahead and be a public servant because nowadays there's such a bad relationship when it, you think about the fear of the police, right. uh, especially being an African-American. Right. And you having a chance to prep not only at Shaw High School going on and f furthering your academic career at Louisiana Lafayette playing football, collegiately talk about where your mindset was growing up looking up to your brother who was 10 years older than you and the family dynamic knowing that your brother was a great football player right. and you would have an opportunity to follow in your brother's footsteps right even even as a kid of course I'm 10 years younger than my brother it's like I, I've always looked up to him always my entire life um growing up watching him play football at Shaw with Nardo with uh, Chris Samuels and all that. And I used to see those guys growing up, you know, playing ball. And, of course, that's what I wanted to do. I followed those footsteps right behind my brother. I wanted to be better than my brother. I wanted to get the show and have my stats way better than my brother. I was competitive at a young age. Even he was 10 years older than me. I mean, we were wrestling and all of that. It was just the competitive nature of it. And I took that throughout life. 
uh, of course, when uh, when Big Tony got incarcerated, uh, I mean, we've talked all the time from the 15 years he was in federal prison. We talked every single day, three times a day. Every chance he got to call me or call Latoni, he took that chance. And we talk about life. For 15 years, we talk about life. We talked about Latoni, about how he shouldn't, well, his route is not going to be the same as his dad right then. Uh, Tony, Big Tony, had, he went to Jackson State, you know, I mean, where he left off after that, that's I think that's where it went wrong. But he's able to tell his son about the wrongs and the paths that he went, so his son won't follow that. Little Tony is a three point with eight GPA at Sarah Land. I mean, and then he's also not just on the field, it's off the field also. Uh, so the things that I see, I try to pour into Little Tony because I see a lot out here dealing with homicide and with these teens, it's a lot. When you do see those homicide being part of the Mobile Police Department, Homicide Division, so many teenagers take the wrong path. Correct. And you have a chance to see so many teenagers make that bad mistake that can ruin the rest of their lives. But through football, through that extracurricular activities, whether it's building the community base and kickball games, just building relationships and rapport with the young people, you have a nephew yes. that is now you know, 16, 17, getting ready to be 18 years old here, moving forward. So you know what it's like having children of your own to be able to relate to the youth and to see the positive examples. I know we were talking off the air growing up. Tell the listeners some of the people that were affiliated with the football program growing up for your nephew. Yeah, so I coached at uh, Eight Mile Park where some of the coaches were uh, – Coach Skip, uh, Coach Scooter, um, and we had this team uh, at Eight Mile. We call ourselves First Forty Eight Boys, and that group of boys they were talented. You had guys like uh, CJ, which they call Green Pants. You had Kevin Malone. You had uh, Ryan Williams, Hollywood. You had uh, Damian McGaskin, who's a quarterback at Mobile Christian. Uh, you have Ty Tucker, the center at Viger. And also you had Scoop, which is the one of the linebackers at Mobile Christian also. And I know I'm probably missing a bunch of other guys, but that group was talented. And if you ever looked on my Facebook page, we have this um, this video of that group and just so talented. And, like, with those kids, it's just not about football. It's about life itself. And football changed a lot of people's lives, and it gave them something to lose. A lot of people want to play this game so bad, they're willing to do the right thing just to keep playing that game. And that's one of the things with me. I mean, I want to keep playing the game that bad to where I stayed out of trouble. And just listening to my brother. I mean, me seeing the mistakes that my brother made helped me. If my brother would have been doing, a, you know, probably doing the right thing, who knows what my future would be. But I had to see somebody who messed up to get me right. And, and it was my brother. But he's out now, and he's definitely going to make a change and try to better everyone else. And that's one of the reasons I wanted to have you guys in the studio here. We're joined by Antonio Coleman, the defensive lineman who is verbally committed to the University of Alabama, four-star, and I guarantee he's about to become a five-star defensive lineman, no question about it. Also, his father, Tony Rogers, and his uncle, Jermaine Rogers, all joining us here on the final drive. And this is just a fantastic story. You're looking at three generations of athletes, all who have had an opportunity to continue to further their careers through football. I mentioned Tony Rogers. Father Tony Rogers, when we were growing up, with one another. I've known Tony Rogers my entire life, coming out of Greenway in Westmobile, John Will Elementary School, Hillsdale Middle School. He goes on to Shaw, continues 
to be that dominant player. You played against some pretty daggum good players while you were at Shaw High School. Leonardo Carson, you battled. Kevin Sigler was on that Shaw squad, mm -hmm. along with Chris Samuels. Talk about when you were playing against these guys who have gone on to have NFL careers, have gone on to great coaching careers, and what it meant for you to have football at Shaw High School as an outlet for yourself. Well... I played against I played against great talent in Shaw. I'm talking about great battling with uh, Chris every day. So I always knew when Chris made it to Alabama, I always knew like, man, I can play college football. I battled against the best. Chris was ranked in the nation, one of the best players, and I battled with him every day in practice. So I always knew that I can go off to college and play. It's just when I got to college, when you told your whole life that you're gonna go to the NFL. Your whole life you told that. So you put all your eggs in one basket. And when college is over with, and you done set all your eggs in one basket, there's no NFL teams calling, and it kind of looked dark. So a lot of times I try to tell my son in life, my goal for my son is not to go to the NFL. My goal for my son is to get a free college education and graduate. NFL is the last thing. That's for me. For me, what I want for my son is to get a college education, a free college education. It's not so much in the NFL, so I don't even talk to him about the NFL. I talk to him about going to college. That's my biggest thing with my son. It's not NFL, it's college. Antonio, when you hear those words coming out of your father's mouth, being able to communicate with your father the last 16 years, but knowing that on Friday nights he wasn't going to be able to physically be there and you were going to have to share through phone calls what it was going to be to you. When you hear him talk about the importance of education, when you see him overcoming the mistakes that he made, what does that mean to you personally? Uh, I, I, it mean a lot. Uh, I, I mean, if it, it made me feel like my dad cares about me, and you know, it made me feel like he loved about me, uh, loved me. Uh, a lot of things I used to hear when I was growing up is like people would say like my dad in jail, so that's why I'm doing these bad things. I feel like it should be my dad's in jail, so uh, I should be doing good things to make him happy behind bars, and I feel like I did good things by playing football and make, and becoming a better person. You said a mouthful then. I, I know our listeners, I'm going to echo what he just said. Doing positive things to motivate himself and make his father happy and proud when he didn't have a chance to see his son play because he was incarcerated. And instead of taking a negative situation, because too many times you hear people tell the narrative, well, his father's in prison. That's why he did something bad. That's why he didn't do that. He's just following in those footsteps. Folks, that's not the case here for Antonio Coleman. A 3.8 GPA here at Saraland High School. His father just talked about the importance of education. And we were talking, I know, Antonio, going to Alabama here. You're only a classification. You don't graduate until... You look at 2025, I mean, you're only a junior defensive lineman, but when you hear your father talk about the importance of education, what does that mean to you? Uh, it makes me it makes me feel like my dad wants me to be uh, more than just a football athlete. He wants me to be a, a person, a good person in football and outside mm -hmm. of football. And like I said, it makes me feel like he cares about me. 
you've had an opportunity again to to probably read the clippings. I don't know if they popped in the videotape of when they played at Shaw or when they played uh, collegiately, but you have uncle, you have father, again, tremendous football athletes, one that went to Shaw slash Davidson because Shaw, of course, wound up closing, so Jermaine had to go ahead and transfer and graduated a Davidson Warrior, and Tony graduated as a Shaw Rebel. But when you hear and see the links, the video, or the paper clippings, I'm going to ask it now. Who is a better football player at that stage? Is it you? Is it your Uncle Jermaine? Or is it your father, Tony? I mean, we talk about it. We talk about it all the time. All the time. Uh, it's definitely me. I feel like I get off the ball quick, just strong in almost any situation you can put me in. So I definitely feel like it's me. I love the fact you got to have that confidence <laughs> and that swag. Now, folks, if you can see the way Dad is looking at his son right now, it's something special because Dad's like, there's no way that my son would be a better player than I was in high school. And I know Jermaine, he held his own too. Folks, Jermaine Rogers from the Mobile Police Department Homicide Division is someone I had an opportunity to coach in middle school and had a chance to watch him play for Anthony Schamberger when Coach Schamberger was coaching middle school. Of course, Coach Schamberger's son now playing for Spanish Fort as the quarterback. So I know that it's fun. Jermaine, when you get a chance, Sarah Land recently played Spanish Fort to see one of your former coaches who coached you in middle school to see his son on the other side doing positive things but I know you couldn't help but to say look my <laughs> nephew coming to bust you up my nephew's coming to bust your son up so you, you better get ready for it oh definitely definitely uh, I was hoping to see coach Sham uh, at the game tonight uh, but of course I mean, it was a packed house great environment out there at Spanish Fort and I mean, I love football. Of course, the whole family love football. But I think a lot of people, maybe some do or don't know. Of course, uh, I have a family full of D linemen. So our younger brother, which is like six three, three fifty, he played defense line at West Alabama. Of course, Big Tony played at Jackson State. Tony, of course, is still in high school uh, playing D line. Uh, we also have a cousin Noah. Um, he graduated from St. Paul. Uh, Ryan Johnson. He was a five star defensive lineman. Came out, went to Stanford. You know, not everybody can get accepted to go to Stanford. So you have to have the brains and the athletics to get there, and he did. Latoni got the same thing, the same opportunity. And whenever we talk about who's the best D-lineman, Tony talk about it all the time, am I the best uh, recruit in our family or not? Because those are the conversations that we have, we're competitive. And uh, I had to give it to him the other day and say, yeah, you got it now. <laughs> you know, you got the juice. So <laughs> when, when you do see Jermaine, him make that ultimate decision to play for Nick Saban in the Crimson Tide, I know it wouldn't have mattered where he decided to go, whether it had been Clemson or Auburn or Alabama. It really wouldn't, South Alabama. It wouldn't have mattered to have an opportunity to further and get that free education. But when you do go to Tuscaloosa, you do see that environment. You know the history of the Crimson Tide. How does that make you feel as his uncle, knowing that you can yell Roll Tide a little bit louder than everybody else? <laughs> I've never yelled Roll Tide before until he committed. Never. Even his dad hadn't. But whatever decision that he made, like I tell him, I, I'm not going to be there when you go to college to live there where you live. I'll still be living in Mobile, Alabama. Wherever you decide, that's where you're going to be living. Make sure that your time spent is where you want to spend it at. So we can't make that decision for him. 
Big Tony, you said you've never yelled roll tide either. I know that having a chance to see your son here within the next couple of years step on to that campus in Tuscaloosa, it'll give you a chance to yell roll tide and thank you, son, for doing what you needed to do. Like Jermaine said, I never yell roll tide. I'm an Auburn fan. But um, after the year 2025, I will be rooting for Alabama. It'll be all roll tide. But I grew up an Auburn fan, but me, personally, I wanted my son to go to Alabama rather than Auburn. Even though I'm an Auburn fan, I would rather see him at Alabama. I don't know how strange that might sound, but that's why I want to see my son there. An in-depth and exclusive interview with one Antonio Coleman, defensive lineman, four-star prospect, verbally committed to Alabama along with his father, Tony Rogers, and his uncle, Jermaine Rogers, who is part of the Mobile Police Department Homicide Division. We're getting a behind-the-scenes talk with that family. More to come here on The Final Drive. Hi, everybody. Jennifer Hale here from the NFL on Fox. You're listening to 105.5 WNST in Mobile. back to the final drive where we're continuing our conversation with four-star defensive lineman from Saraland High School, Antonio Coleman, who is verbally committed to the University of Alabama, blessed enough to have his father, Tony Rogers, in the studio with us, along with his uncle, Jermaine Rogers, who is a homicide detective here for the Mobile Police Department. Tony Rogers incarcerated in federal prison for over 16 years and witnessing his son's first ever football game against Lipscomb on national television earlier this year. And we want to get everyone caught up to what we've been talking about with Antonio, his father and his uncle. And we'll continue this interview here on the final drive. Tony, when you do look at the life lessons learned, when you talk to your father when he was incarcerated, I, I know sometimes you can use those words that are given as strength and as motivation. What biggest motivation has your father given you? What words of wisdom will always stick with you knowing that, okay, Pops, I, I hear that and that rings true each and every day of my life? I got to think. Let me see. That's a tough question to think about because when you when you know you told so much, so. It, it, just that one thing. Uh, let me ask you this: we'll, we'll go this route with it. If there's something that he says from a football standpoint, because your father, big man, big defensive lineman, had an opportunity to play the same position that you do and that you have, is there something? from an advice standpoint, from a technique standpoint, or from a mental standpoint, how to play the game mentally that he's helped you with? Well, actually, uh, Jermaine and my dad have uh, helped me with staying low. They stay on me by staying low. Uh, last year, uh, I was high as a kite. So, you know, this year I've been definitely working on staying low, and it's going to stick with me for throughout uh, the rest of my high school career and college career. Staying low defensively, exploding off of the football have allowed you to be one of the tremendous and premier defensive tackles, not only here in the state of Alabama, but nationally as well. You win a state championship a year ago with the Saraland Spartans. What did that, did that 
feel the way you felt it would winning the state championship, making it to the pinnacle there as a sophomore? Uh, it, it actually it, it did. Uh, I mean, it felt like a movie. Uh, being at Auburn, uh, Jordan Harris Stadium, playing that football game, it, it didn't feel real at all. The day after I woke up at home, it just felt like a regular day. So it felt like I had just uh lived in a in a dream, a movie. Speaking of a movie, you guys are trying to to make another movie. You're all in right. the process of making another movie. What advice has Coach Kelly given you all? so far that you've listened to take heed to and is ultimately allowing you guys to to try to go back to back well uh the main thing coach kelly uh, i always say uh is have a uh, poise uh don't don't never get displacing uh just because of what you did last year is that's not don't expect that to be the same results uh this year uh he always tells us uh the man climb up the, up the mountain is always hungrier than the person on top of the mountain so uh but some from some from my standpoint that helped me keep going and uh is staying uh uncomfortable uh you got to stay uncomfortable because if you ever get comfortable you giving uh, other opponents chance to uh, chances to catch up to you and you never want to let that happen I love that phrase yeah, that stay, <laughs> stay uncomfortable, uncomfortable. stay oh, uncomfortable and you can use that in life too Jermaine because one of the things that I know you see on a daily basis are the uncomfortable situations that people are put in and you can use that as motivation for yourself to to teach young people like your nephew so we don't have that problem to where you're not dealing with a 16 17 18 year old committing murder and putting their life in jeopardy in someone else's life and changing those two lives and i know jermaine i couldn't be prouder and happier that the the path and, and everything that you've used you you say and staying uncomfortable it's one of those situations that you and your brothers bond that you talked about for every single day you talked to him you communicated with him that just goes to show how close-knit this family in this room continues to be right uh Every single day, and the day that I told my brother that he was coming home early was the first time pretty much I heard him cry <laughs> the first time because that was something that was emotional. Because, man, to be honest with you, he wasn't supposed to see us, he wasn't supposed to see Latoni out when until he was like 27 years old. And he's had the opportunity now, blessed with the opportunity now to see his son uh, play a football game, see him go through life, be able to go to a graduation. You know, those are the things a lot of people take for granted now that's out and they're doing the wrong things. Like I tell people all the time, I said, once you go to jail or you go to prison, somebody else is going to be raising your child. Do you want to be there or do you want somebody else to be there? Uh, Big Tony has a chance now to make up for every all the 15 years that he's, you know, that he's been incarcerated. So um, he has the time to uh, make up and, and and we're here for it. Big Tony, I, I want to talk to you about what it means to you. We, at the beginning of the show, talked about you having a chance to see your son play the first ever football game for yourself with his career. And knowing with Jermaine and, and little Tony keeping you posted on how he was doing, on winning that state championship, did he play the way that you had envisioned not being able to see it for yourself without your own eyeballs, now you get a chance to see it for yourself. It is it what you thought it would be? It was better than what I thought it was because I, I thought it was going to be because I always told him, you're going to dominate people just all genetics. You're going to be bigger and stronger than people anyway, but when he played with school called Lipscomb, 
when he played Lumpskin and he played against uh, a, a national ranked team, it showed me like, yeah, he he really liked that. He really liked that because I feel like he gonna go through school and dominate people majority of the time because of his size and his strength. But to see what he did that first game, my first game seeing him, I had to congratulate him and tell him like, man, you a lot better than I thought you were. For those that are listening and you have advice for those who are listening, Tony, what advice would you give to those young student athletes like your son who are listening, who who've had or will have an opportunity to go on and play college football or not even play college football? And just like you said, with yourself, life after football, what advice would you give to the young people? My best advice I can give the kids in sports is take advantage of a free education. Take advantage of your youth. And I know everybody got dreams of going to the NFL, but take that free education and get you a degree with it. Don't wait till you four years in college and you so far behind in classes and NFL is not calling you and now you're forced to pay for your lunch. You're forced to pay for school. So take advantage of a free education. Take advantage of everything you can get as a youth. Don't get older and look back. Like My biggest regret is I didn't take advantage of a four-year education at Jackson State. I hung out and just assumed that everybody go to the NFL, which that's rare. It's rare to have a NFL career that will sustain you for the rest of your life. That's very rare. And the thing I can tell you, say to these athletes is take advantage of your education. That's something that can never be taken from you. Take advantage of a free education. What you've learned from the mistakes that you've made in life, what would you tell young people who are heading down that wrong road, who are making those decisions that aren't going to benefit themselves or their families in the long run. It, no matter what you do in life, it's going to come back on. What you do in a dog going to come to life. I never received, I never seen a retired drug though. Mm. Never. I never seen somebody just decide one day I'm going to quit. It's either jail or you're going to die. And I was honestly, I was blessed to go to prison. I was blessed because when I came home, the majority of the guys in my circle, they were all dead or in prison. And I just look at it like I'm blessed to be here. It's, it's other places worse than prison. And the 15 and a half years I served in federal prison, I was blessed to have my brother and my son's mother in his life taking care of him and, and making sure he become the man he is today. I was blessed to have a support system out there. A lot of guys didn't have it. A lot of guys' brother not going to step up to help their brother's son out. And I was so blessed for him to have his mother in his life and his uncle. I, I just blessed. Antonio, what does family mean to you? You see your dad here sitting next to you. You see your uncle sitting to the right of you. What, what does family mean to you? Uh, family to me is just, you know, lessons learned, uh, you know, it's just, just love, just less love and lessons learned because without my dad, I would never learn, I would never uh, probably had the ambition to go out every day, every uh, day and uh, get better to try to become a better person. Without my uncle, I'll probably be, uh, 
you know, I, I, I wouldn't know what I want to do. I, I wouldn't have no father figure to, you know, put keep me into the right track. Without my mom, I wouldn't know really right from wrong. So it just, it's just lessons, uh, just guidance. I just, family just mean a lot to me. Well, it has been a tremendous pleasure and privilege to sit and talk with Antonio Coleman, defensive lineman for the Saraland Spartans, verbally commits to the University of Alabama. Love to see his story. His story continues to be written. Just wanted to give everyone a little backstory on how Antonio Coleman became the hungry defensive lineman that he is, the dominant defensive lineman that he is. And it's in part due to the genes and the genetics of his father, Big Tony Rogers, the genes and the genetics of his uncle, Jermaine Rogers, and the wonderful guidance of his mother as well. And this is just a family story, folks, and it's a feel-good story. It's a feel-good story of a family who has different dynamics of life. You have a father who really loves his son, who had an opportunity to see his son play football for the first time ever in person three weeks ago. You have an uncle who has sat there and watched and raised Antonio Coleman instead and keeping his father posted every single day on the progress and the steps that Antonio Coleman has made. And Jermaine, I can't thank you enough for your service to the community and what you mean to the city of Mobile and watching you work your ranks up and continuing to watch you, Big Tony, come out and make a difference, not only in your son's life, to, but to so many others that can learn from your story based on the success of what your son is doing, because it is a success story. This is a success story, folks. It's something that a lot of people, all you see on Friday nights is Antonio Coleman dominate the opponent across the line of scrimmage from him. But there's a backstory and there's a human element story. And that's what I wanted to do here on the final drive is to introduce you to Jermaine Rogers and introduce you to Tony Rogers and let you know a little bit more about Antonio Coleman and what makes him and motivates him these last 16 years. So guys, it's been a privilege joining you here on the final drive. I look forward to continuing to watch you, Antonio chase that second state championship at Saraland High School and all the things that you have moving forward. Tony, it's great to see you out making a difference. Jermaine, it's great to see you all making a difference in the community as well. And I can't thank you guys enough for having me and joining me here on the final drive. All right. Thank you for having us. Tremendous family interview there with not only Alabama verbal commit Antonio Coleman, his father, Tony Rogers, who got a chance to see him play his first ever football game live and in person after spending 16 years in federal prison. And you have an uncle, Jermaine Rogers, who helped raise him, who is part of the Mobile Police Department Homicide Division. Nothing but success. It is a lifetime movie. I know Jermaine's on first 48 on A&E, but it is one of those A&E movies, one of those Disney movies after it's all said and done. 3.8 GPA for Antonio Coleman, getting it done. Want to thank him and his family for spending time with us on the final drive. E105.5, keep it right here for the best sports information in Mobile. 
Welcome back to the final drive. Want to thank Antonio Coleman, Tony Rogers, and Jermaine Rogers for that family exclusive interview that they were able to give. And again, Jermaine Rogers, Antonio Coleman's father, and I grew up together and been playing with him since he was six years old. And whether it's G.I. Joe's or He-Man or what have not, living right across the street from one another and Big Tony goes on and plays great football at Shaw and Jackson State and makes a horrible decision in his life that got him incarcerated for 16 years and was able to see his son play for the first time ever. And his uncle Jermaine Rogers sits in and raises his nephew the right way. And because of it now, you look a four-star prospect who's verbally committed to Alabama with a 3.8 GPA learning from his father's lessons, a tremendous positive story. And both of them, I know Tony Rogers is going to continue to give back to the community and share his stories with the young people. Jermaine Rogers shares his story every single day as he's a featured member of the first 48 on A&E. And I know I, I can't thank them enough for taking time out of their schedule to, to give us a peek behind the curtain into what, motivates Antonio Coleman on a daily basis and what motivates the AHSAA has been the central board clarifying we talked last week about those athletes at Tuscaloosa County who were rude or they had to forfeit their win over Bessemer City well the AHSAA central board went ahead and rescinded that rule and clarified it and said that you can have gift cards from restaurants and are allowed to have those gift cards. So they get that win back in which they defeated Bessemer City 55-33. to The AHSA Central Board clarifies that. Now, you don't think anyone's going to take that and run with it and start giving some kid a $200 McDonald's gift card every week, do you? Like, did we open Pandora's box here? I, I think that, again, the black and white rules do state that you're allowed to get restaurant gift cards. There are no dollar amount value that was listed in this clarification or confusion about restaurant gift cards. So kudos to the central board for making the correct decision in this instance and giving that win back to Tuscaloosa County over Bessemer City. I so bet that's good stuff. Chicken wings are going to taste extra good when they finally cash that gift card. Yeah, it's going to taste real, real it. good. Those <laughs> wings are going to be super duper special. We'll continue the high school theme. Everybody knows about Hoover High School, the two a days theme, the Rush Probes theme. Well, history was made today when the Alabama Sports Writers Association polls come out. We'll wrap up the final drive. Talk about that and tomorrow's show on the other side here of the final drive. Hi, this is Blake Stein, former Spring Hill Badger and Kansas City Royal, and you're listening to WNSP Sports Radio. Welcome back to the final drive as we put the finishing touches on it. Hoover High School. Yeah, the Hoover Buccaneers. They're one and three and out of the top ten for the first time in 23 years, 266 consecutive polls, they were ranked in the top 10. You want to talk about a decade-plus dominance? You want to talk about a dynasty not being dead? 23 years, 
Hoover was in the top 10 in the largest classification in the state of Alabama. They fall out of that top 10 poll. Good news for South Alabama and Kane Womack. Adiana Fluff Boothwell, he was the 4A back of the year, made it to the semifinals a year ago. And Bothwell, excuse me, Fluff Bothwell is verbally committing to South Alabama, the 4A back of the year. So looking for replacements for LaDamian Wed. Continue to get reinforcements for Braylon McReynolds. When he gets back healthy, Fluff Bothwell from Aniana High School, who played against Viker High School in the state championship game a couple of years ago, instrumental in Aniana making it to that state championship game. And you can look for great things for him this year as well. 4A back of the year. Finishing up his senior season in Aniana, what a pickup for Kane Womack and what a drop off for Hoover High School. 23 years of dominance is unheard of in high school football. Tomorrow on the final drive, we'll have Quentin Wilfon. He is a linebacker for the South Alabama Jaguars. Had a sack against Oklahoma State. We'll talk with him. We'll talk some Major League Baseball with Lindsey Crosby. More teams capturing that pennant. David Eckert. From Ole Miss, the Clarion Ledger covers the Ole Miss Rebels. Get his analysis and intake on Lane Kiffin and the mind games that he's playing. And we'll have the Gulf Coast Auto Tech, Tide and Tiger Report. Roger Hoover, he covers the Alabama Crimson Tide for the Crimson Tide Sports Network. He'll be joining us along with Brian Matthews to talk about the Auburn Tigers. So another great Thursday edition of the final drive coming to you Nick I know there was some breaking news in the NFL Cam Akers is now a Minnesota Viking oh, what wow. you think about that never been a big Cam Akers guy but the Vikings needed some uh, help I don't think they've even eclipsed 100 rushing yards as a team yet I like the move it shows that Minnesota is wanting to win they're wanting to stay competitive and then the Rams I think Williams is the backup who's pretty much taken over that backfield now uh for sure that he's gone so i like the move what did they give up if you know for a swap of 2026 draft picks i'm sure they're late picks so i like the move great move and it's a great show make sure that you podcast at wnsp selects you can get that exclusive content of the antonio coleman interview if you missed it go back and listen to it it's a must listen to want to thank everyone for tuning in to the final drive on WNSP 105.5. Nick Wiggins, Corey Bounty, signing out.